praise the Lord. Some months ago, I was here and I was praying for the church. And, and as I was praying, I opened my eyes and the Lord had given me a vision. And over here on the wall, I saw a large banner and it said, Accelerated Awakening. And I asked God, I'm like, God, what is that? And he said, this is what I am doing in my church this next year. And then I said to the Lord, I said, there is scripture for all that you do. So show me what you are going to do. Open the word of God and reveal this to me. And he said, okay. He said, open Isaiah 35. So if you do that, we'll read through there. Isaiah 35, it says, the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmen, Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of God and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with a vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out in streams in the desert, and the parched ground shall become a pool. And the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of jackals, where each clay shall be grasped with reeds and rushes. And these reeds that it speaks up here are that which grows in Egypt and in Assyria. It is reeds that are, you know, they grow up to 12 feet tall. They have joints like bamboo, and they are thin and delicate. But they are also strong. They will lay flat at the mere gust of wind, yet it will immediately rise back up to its place. And in verse 8, here is the key. It said, And a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those the wayfaring men, the fools, shall not bear therein. So this is going to be a place of such safety and abundance that it is going to be simple and prosperous to live for the Lord. Even the 
will not err. They won't make a mistake. They will stay on this plane. And, it's, and it goes on to nine. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed, those are who will walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is what God wants to give to his people. This is what God is preparing for you. When you think about it, all that we have gone through in 2019, Everything this church has gone through, all the loss, all the lack, the death, the destruction. And God is promising us an everlasting way, a place that we can abide and nothing will harm us. This is, it's when the Lord began showing me this place, it was such a glorious place. This is not only a place where God is choosing to bless you, but what you have, but what God blesses you with, he's going to double that. You are going to spoil the enemy. What the enemy has taken shall be returned to you and doubled. And for some, there will be a double of the double anointing and portion that is given out. All that you have hoped for, all that's been spoken over this church, what you have dreamed for, God is getting ready to pour out. Praise God. Praise God. But there is a key to obtaining this. Back in 2010, when I was living in Indianapolis, the Lord moved on me. I was down in my I was down in the church and I was starting to pray. And then the Lord moved on me and spoke to me and told me to start interceding and warring for the churches in New York. And I immediately got down and lay prostrate on the floor to cover the area of New York. And I began to pray. I began to pray for this area. And then the Lord showed me a vision. And in this vision, the devil sat on his throne. And he was arrogantly twirling in his hands keys. And I began to get mad. And I said, God, what is this? And he said, those keys once belonged to the church, but the enemy has taken them. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> we are not having that. So I began to pray and I began to intercede. And I commanded Michael and the angel armies to war with Satan and to take those keys back and to give them back to the churches. And when I finished praying, and I felt I was done. I got up and I said, now God, I want you to confirm this vision. I want you to confirm what you have done and what you are going to do. And I said, this is the confirmation that I want. I said, I want there to be, this to be symbolic of the spiritual shift that is going to be occurring in this state. And I asked him to cause an earthquake to go clear across the state of New York from one side to the other. And it wasn't but two days later, I read in the newspaper, there was an earthquake that went clear across the state of New York from one to the other. And that earthquake, because of where it hit, it was felt all the way down in downtown Indianapolis where I was praying. That is the God that we serve. 
when you can tap into the will of God, he will answer your prayers. Listen for his voice because he will perform it. We are so glad and so privileged to serve the God who listens, who hears, and who answers. And then this past week, last, last month, there's just been a lot of turmoil in my family and in my life, and I began, I began to pray, and there was a burden, and I began to seek God, and I'm like, God, you're going to give me the answer. Like, what has happened in this church, especially over the last year? You know, what is going on? And then this past week, as I was driving out here, the Lord began to speak to me. And he began to reveal to me what exactly those keys were. And as it turns out, these keys are the keys that unlock every single door in the kingdom. Every promise. Everything in the word of God. These keys are what unlocks everything. So that nothing is hid from us. It unlocks peace. It unlocks the taking away of fear. It unlocks happiness and joy, confidence, safety, protection, deliverance, contentment, blessings and goodness that will follow you all the days of your life. Abundance where there is no lack. Food, a long life, revival, and power over sin. The churches were once in possession of these keys. But much like the nation of Israel, it let it guard down. It began to turn the desires of their flesh. They looked to their own ideas, their own planning. They forgot to ask God, what do you want done? Their ears were closed to the will of God and to the voice of God. And what we've got to understand, church, is what we do here affects everything around us. It affects the region where we live. New York, in the last couple decades, has been in a decline. We have seen such an economic downturn. There's been little growth. There's been a mass exodus of people larger than any other state in the U.S. 1.4 million people have left this state to go to other places. That speaks volumes. When the church began to back away, everything around you was affected. But God has sent me here to help you restore those keys. And that key is the fear of the Lord. And this fear is one that speaks of a holy reverence. That, Lord, I love you so much, I do not want to offend you. Deuteronomy 10, 12-13 says, And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and to observe the Lord's commandments and decrees. Ecclesiastes 12.13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. 1 Peter 1, 16 through 17 says, It is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, conduct one yourself like a sojourner or stranger here in the reverent fear of God. And as the Lord began speaking to me about the fear of the Lord, it's funny because I instantly, when he first said it, my impulse was almost to dismiss him. And I thought, God, I know about that. I fear you. I have this. I've studied this. I know what this is about. And the Lord immediately rebuked me. He said, no, you do not. And and he's like, Julie, I will show you where you stopped. I said, okay, Lord. And it was probably about 20 years ago. Maybe not quite as long as 20. But I was in a church that I had a pastor and his wife who I loved very dearly. They were everything to me. It was the church where I was saved. And, and brought to the knowledge of God. And where I grew up in a home where there was a lot of criticism, a lot of put-downs, a lot of judgment, some emotional abuse, other kinds of abuse. There were things about relationships that I did not know, could not learn. And these people taught me all of those things that I needed to learn. And I loved them. And they loved me. And they mentored me, they took me in, they pretty much considered me their adopted daughter, that's what they told everybody. And I was very close to this family. And then literally in a day, they were up on the platform, starting service, and the pastor's wife announced, I got a job offer across the country, and they need me to start right away, and I'm leaving. What was once my world came to an end. In that moment, I was heartbroken. All that I came to love and trust was gone. And I never saw or spoke to them again. Never. I have no idea really what happened with them. Where they are today, I got a vague idea somebody had mentioned, but I have never spoken to them again. And that feeling of abandonment was tremendous. And I kept that in my heart. And the Lord told me this past week, he said, Julie, that's where you stopped fearing me. You kept that from me. You did not allow me to heal that. You did not trust my sovereignty, which says, I will give and I will take away. That blew my mind because I never realized 
And then I think across my life and all that has happened. And, and my walk with the Lord has been a difficult one. A lot of ups and downs. You know, and it's, you know, the enemy has attacked me on the left and on the right to the point that I've barely ever been able to take a breath any day of the week, any moment. I, there, I deal with people who harass me all the time. Problems on my workplace. I could just be driving down the road and there'll be that one person with road rage who will try to drive me off the road, come, you know, drive up on me. I mean, everything is stressful. And, and then as he started talking to me about the fear of the Lord, really opening my eyes, I was astounded because had I always had the fear of God, always before me, I would not have gone through half of those things. And then even when I did, it would not have touched me. And, you know, so the Lord is sending me here today to speak to you, to let you know that this is what is going to be happening in 2020. This is what God is going to be preparing you for. This is what he is going to be doing in you. He wants to restore you. He wants to take you spiritually back to the places of your wounding or wherever it was that you stopped fearing him. And he wants to heal you and make you whole. He wants to restore you and restore that fear of God again. He wants to teach you what it means to fear him. And, and I urge you just to trust his process. And it is going to be difficult at times, but it is necessary. Allow God to bathe you in the oils of myrrh, to heal you with the balm of Gilead so that every place where you've been scarred, marred, wounded, will be healed and whole, that the wholeness to your spirit, your soul, your body, will be restored. John, or third, three, uh, third John, chapter one and verse two, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So if you are somebody who battles with sickness a lot, that you are sick in your body, return your spirit again to the fear of the Lord. Obey his commandments and his statutes as the scripture states, and you will be healed. Fear him, and he will restore you. Fear him not, and you will remain sick. So I ask you that you, continue, that you search in your heart and you ask yourselves, and you ask the Lord to show you, where have I stopped fearing you? And then God continued to expound on this. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 through 17. God gave us permission to eat freely according to with any tree in the garden. But he said, except one tree. And that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Good is tov in the Hebrew. And it means to do well, prosper well-pleasing and moral goodness. Evil is rot in Hebrew, and it, says, and it means disagreeable, inferior quality, wicked in ethical quality, corrupt, destroyed. Because we have lacked the fear of the Lord, 
we have been without the wisdom of God. We have freely taken of the fruit of the tree of knowledge, of good and evil, instead of asking God for it. We have taken it. And that knowledge and that information we have gained has become death to us. It has corrupted us. It has left us wanting. It has left us with lack and without safety, without provision. And God is saying, ask me again. I will give it. And only when we ask God to give us that fruit, then can we consume it, and then it will turn into wisdom, as the scripture says. So, you know, that's why we're not able to rightly use our knowledge. This is why there's been times we've been dis disagreeable to God when we thought we were right. This is why we have kept back part of our offering to the Lord, like Ananias and Sapphira, and thought it would be acceptable, and became angry when we still did not prosper. This is why we can work for God, pray, pay tithes, and yet still not prosper, because all of these things is meant to teach us how to fear God. That is the purpose. Genesis 2 and 24 says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. This may seem like an odd scripture to throw in here, but this is something the Lord began to show me. He said there is a spiritual principle here. He said, God is calling us to a place of oneness with him. This is what he wants. We are his bride. And he said, however, the path to get there means that we must leave the place of our origin, leave the place of our culture, of our belief system, whatever it is that we're holding onto our past. We must leave that in order to cleave to God. And only when we fully cleave with the Lord can we become one with him. Deuteronomy 12.20 states, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve, and to him thou shalt cleave, and swear by his name. You cannot live in two kingdoms at once. God's kingdom culture must at all times supersede your own personal culture. The only way we can learn God's kingdom culture is to fear him. Only then can he take and remove those strongholds that we have set up in our minds, those false beliefs, our own common sense, which has failed us, and then give us the godly wisdom that we need. And speaking of what is coming, God is gracious and kind to always reveal to us. He does not want us to be caught off guard. John 16, 13 says, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. God is sharing this with us today because he wants you to be ready. He doesn't want you to be caught off guard with what's coming, what you're going to have to deal with this year, what you're going to have to deal with next year. Because his desire 
is for perfect union with you. His desire is not for judgment, but for blessing. So it's important to know the seasons. You know, you're obviously, we're not going to plant seeds and harvest in the winter. And so many times that's what we've tried to do in the spirit. We're planting our seeds and trying to harvest in the winter. God's saying, what are you doing? We're like, oh no, but God, you know, harvest is good. Let's continue. God's like, no, I did not tell you to do that. <laughs> and, you know, and, and every year, the beginning of the year, so often we preach, oh, there's going to be a great revival this year. This year is going to be the greatest year ever. That is not scriptural. In order for anointing to come, in order for blessing to come, in order for ministering revival to come, that seed that's planted in the ground must first die, Scripture says, before it can bring forth life. So this next year, it's not going to be a year of harvest. The year of 2020 is the year of completeness. Biblically, 20 represents a completed or perfect waiting period. A trial period that comes to an end. And the end will either, you will either reap a generous reward or a just judgment. It'll be your choice. What you learn this year, you will either go on to great blessing or judgment from God. I mentioned a few months ago, we have now entered the period of end times. We are now in the time of Esther, which when God began to reveal this to me, and as I was studying, it was probably one of the most mind-blowing books that I've read. But the book of Esther is actually a book about end-time revival. And in 2020 is the year of the preparation that reflects the 12 months that Esther went through that healing and preparation process before she met the king. And it is in this time that God is going to perfect you. That he's going to teach you what you need to know. That he's going to take away those things that are offensive to him. You know, and as I continued to pray, and the Lord began to, began to speak again. He told me to read through the book of Malachi. And I read the book several times over. And what I had not seen before is that this book is all about God calling his people out of their ways that they did not fear him and to return to him again. It's a very powerful book presented in a, in a question and answer format. You know, and God begins with, you know, talking with the people. And he's, and he's asking them, he's, where is my honor? Where is my fear? God tells them that they have despised him. Because the sacrifice they offered to the Lord was inferior. They gave him sickly animals, not from their choicest lot. They offered the Lord their least, then expected God to give them his best. They regarded worshiping the Lord as not important, and that it doesn't amount to anything. They thought coming to the house of God and worshiping him was boring, and that it didn't do anything for them. They made a big show and acted like they were giving God their life, but in fact, what they gave him was worthless. 
Then in chapter 2, God addressed the priest. He addressed the leadership. And he said, the priests refuse to rightly honor God in their worship. Then God will bring a curse upon them. And this curse will extend to their children. They will not prosper. God brings this curse to wake them from their spiritual slumber and return to fearing him again. God exalts Levi, describing how he honored the Lord. This is how you must serve me. But the, but the priests had fallen away. They began teaching false teachings. And God be, rebuked them. And he said, the priests of Judah cleaved themselves to other gods. They did not worship that the Lord is going to cut them off, those who bring such an offering, an offering coming from a false god and from a false worship. And then he mentions the second thing that you do that offends me is that you, you come to me surprised, hurt, weeping about how I have not accepted this worthless offering that you have given me. And truth be told, how many times do we do that? How many times have we relegated God to nothing more than a genie? God, well, I showed up today. How come I don't have that new job? How come I'm not financially blessed? Why don't I have all the things that I want? Didn't I show up at your house? Didn't I come sit on this pew? My God. God, the scripture states that he is weary with this complaining. He is weary that we complain to him how the unrighteous are blessed and receive no judgment for their wrongdoing. How many times have we done that? I can tell you I have. I've looked at how other people are blessed in this world. You know, the rich and the famous and all of these people, and I have but a little. And I've even questioned God on that. And God says, that wearies me. And then in chapter 3, God goes on to tell the people that the refiner is coming to purify them. And this is what we're facing now. God will be coming to your house to purify and set right that which has been wrong. So when you do come and worship him, your sacrifice will be accepted. God wants to restore that relationship he so desires with you, but it will come at a cost. God will come near and bring swift judgment to those who do not fear him. So he bids you again to return. And this, you know, and it goes on, and, you know, and you know, when we think of Malachi, we think of tithing. You know, we rob God of tithe and offering. And in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, it gives us, it tells us what the purpose of tithing was. The purpose of tithing was instituted to learn the fear of the Lord. So if you're tithing and if you're giving and you're not prospering, it's because you're doing it with the wrong heart. You're doing it with the wrong attitude. The purpose of that is not just to give God what is his, but to fear him. And if you will fear God and give to him what is his, then he will pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. Your blessings will be blessed because the enemy will not be able to touch it. This is the word of God. It is truth and will not return void. So if the enemy has stolen your blessing, 
Check your heart. Where did you not fear the Lord? And he goes on to say, and God goes on to say, your words have been harsh and severe against me because in your heart you've said, it doesn't pay to serve God. What did we ever get out of it? When we did what he said and were somber and serious about it, we gained nothing. There is no difference. Yet those who do whatever they want are the lucky ones because they get to break all the rules and be mightily blessed. They push God to his limits and get away with it. This is what is in our hearts, and God hears that. But then it goes on to say, the end of the chapter, it says that those who feared God got together, and they were talking about this. And these people, Scripture says, the Lord listened to them. And he heard them, and he heeded what they said. And then God created a book of remembrance just for them. And in this book, he records their names and state that these people, these are the ones who belong to me. These are my people. And those whose names are written in this book will make it to heaven. And they will be the ones sitting next to the Lord who will judge what is good and evil. They will help the Lord judge the people. Because only this kind of righteous wisdom and ability to judge comes only from the fear of God. And then in the, and then in the last chapter, God tells us of the day of judgment. He said, be assured the day of judgment is coming and the unrighteous will receive their consequence. They will be consumed by God's judgment. But those who fear the Lord will be covered with healing and will be set free in complete protection and liberty. My God, isn't that what we want? Your enemies will be like dust under your feet. There will be ashes. There will be nothing. There is nothing to be feared for those who fear the Lord. And then God again tells us to remember what he gave to Moses in the beginning, to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, to fear him. And then lastly, once again, God sends a prophet before that very last day. The second prophet he speaks of in the end. And he sends them to reach his people. And this is what is important to the Lord. It is to bring unity among God's people. That is what God wants. It is here the sons and the fathers, you know, when it speaks of the 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 children will turn to their fathers, and the fathers will turn to the children. It's speaking of the Israelites. So, you know, in the Old Testament, the, the founding fathers, those, those who feared the Lord and served him. And then, you know, as we read throughout the Old Testament, eventually, you know, the Israels, they fall away from God again, time and time again. And they, they stop fearing him, and they become wayward children. And what God is looking for in these end times is that there will be a unity of all of these people. That, it will come, that they will all come back together again and honor him and fear him. This is what the Lord is looking for. And then he gives a warning. The very last thing he states, how he ends the Old Testament. And in this warning, he gives a final curse for where this does not happen. For those who do not follow this, where there is no unity, there will be a final curse given, and that, and that 
the curse is in that passage is is the word karem, which is used to describe God's judgment against the serpent in Genesis three fourteen, and the judgment against Cain in Genesis four and eleven, and then the utter annihilation of Jericho in Joshua six seventeen through eighteen. This this word curse is a prophetic word, one of utter destruction and annihilation. There is no coming back from this. So God needs you to see with a spiritual clarity. He needs you to stop living life and just reading your word, reading his word, or coming to church and analyzing everything through your own eyes. Everything must belong to him. Everything must return to him. God told us from the beginning that if we take the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that fruit will consume, that we consume will become rotten and cause our death. This is so because that fruit will never bear the godly wisdom. We have suffered and sustained setbacks because we've not feared the Lord deep enough. And like God states in Malachi, we cannot expect the goodness of God when we do not fear him by offering to God our least instead of our best. God's goodness, his best, which is stated in Psalms 31, 19, it is reserved only for those who fear him. So what occurred in 2019, God was trying to awake you to his calling, to his bidding, to return to him, to return to the fear of the Lord. What will happen in 2020 is God trying to reach you to fear him again. It will be a season of perfecting. So be prepared to face the demons of your past. Whatever you've been struggling with, whatever your strongholds are, whatever you've just been merely coping with, kind of tossing it under the way, oh God, eventually I'll get to that. I'll deal with that. God's going to bring it up. He's going to bring it before you, and you must deal with it. You must give that to God. Because God needs a people who are healed, whole, and complete in him. God needs every wound healed. He will be reaching for every single one of you. No one is exempt. God has already begun this work in me. And he will work this in all of leadership and everyone sitting on, this pew, on these pews. Suffering in the forms of your triggers will occur. Whatever makes you angry, upset, depressed, bitter, anxious, full of fear, sick, weak, etc. These things are going to come your way. This is so God can perfect you. He can teach you how to overcome and finally end these strongholds. Because just as Solomon, or not Solomon, but just as Samuel had told Saul to utterly destroy the Amalekites, Saul kept two alive, the king and the queen. And Samuel was wroth with him. And he said, what have you done? What did you do? Why did you not fear God? Why did you not do exactly what he told you to do? And yet, how many of us have done that? We've killed most of the things in our lives, but we still kept some things aside. God, I still enjoy that show. I still enjoy a drink every once in a while. I don't have to dress holy all the time. Only when I'm in the house of God. I can still be angry. I'm justified. Because this person did this and this and this person did that. And 
And what they did, that was against the word of God. No. God says, you need to give everything to me. Nothing held back. Everything that could destroy you. Every door that you have left open for the enemy to come in, you must close. So he will be bringing these things before you. James 1, 2 through 4, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or trials or afflictions, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, your agreement with God, works patience, perseverance, but let patience and endurance have her perfect work that you may be whole, lacking nothing. And scripture tells us this is the fear of God. When you have the fear of the Lord, you will lack nothing. Nothing will be held back from you. If, and he goes on, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Then give them to all men liberally. And he upbraideth not, he does not reproach or revile anyone who asks. And what you ask shall be given you. And one time God had given me a dream about this. And I was standing in front of this tree, and I had all of this wonderful fruit to eat. And I tried to reach up and grab it, but there was a glass ceiling between me and the fruit. And I did everything I could to grab that fruit, and I couldn't. And then I turned to the Lord, and I said, God, why can't I, why can't I take this? He said, did I not tell you you can't take this? Is that not what I said in the beginning? He said, ask me, and I'll give it to you. I said, okay, God, can I have that piece of fruit? And immediately it came to me. God is asking us to trust his sovereignty, to put him as God and Lord in our lives, in everything that we need, in every way, to ask him, to seek his will, to seek his face, that we do nothing without his permission. We do nothing without his direction. It doesn't matter what we know. It is not our will to use our knowledge as we will. Everything must belong to God. And not only will you face these strongholds, but God is also going to require of you what you love the most. What is most valuable to you? This is so God can teach you how to overcome your weaknesses and to prove your, that you fear him. In Genesis 22, we read the story about Abraham offering his son Isaac. God asks him to sacrifice your promised son, Isaac, whom you love. This promise I gave you, what you've waited all of these years, past your prime, past the years your wife could give birth, I'm now asking you to give this back to me. And Abraham, how he did this, I don't know. But he, without reservation, packed up his son, and his servants, and they began to walk to the place that God showed him where he wanted that sacrifice to happen. And then he told his servants, and this is the attitude of Abraham. He said, to stay here because he is taking the boy to worship. God is expecting your sacrifice. What you love the most, what means the most to you, that is what he wants you to sacrifice. 
And the purpose of that, I mean, people talk about, we kind of dance around the issue a little bit, and we talk about that is, you know, does he trust, does Abraham trust God? Does he have faith in God? But it says right there in Scripture, verse 11 is, when the angels came, they told Abraham, they shouted unto him, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. My gosh, what have we withheld from God? I know I can think of a lot of things that I've withheld from him. And God is asking that of me. God wants you to always have the fear of the Lord before your face so you can walk victorious. Exodus 20, 20. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you and that his fear may be before your face, that you sin not. This is what God, in 2020, with the 2020 vision, is that he is asking that the fear of him be before our faces always. And on my way to... And right after the Lord told me this, the very next morning on my way to work, I was driving to work and I was stopped and all of a sudden this car rammed at the back of me. I got into this car accident and I thought, oh no, here I go. Because I always have all this trouble following me everywhere I go. But at that time, I was sitting there thinking about the fear of the Lord and dwelling on all that he had given me. And, and so I, I got out of my car and I went and I looked at the back. I opened the trunk, I started, you know, uh, guiding my hand underneath the vehicle all across the back of my bumper because I thought, I mean, she hit me hard, and I thought, for sure, there is damage, and there was nothing. And the Lord immediately spoke, and he said, Julie, this is what it means to fear me. He said, when my fear is before your face continually, whatever comes your way, it will not touch you. This is what God wants for you. This is what he is wanting to give you. That it doesn't matter what happens in this world, because this world is waxing worse and worse. And that is the will of God. There is nothing we can do to change that. There is nothing we can do to stop that. We are heading into end times. But even though everything that is going on around us, there might be death and destruction to your left and to your right, you are going to pass through that unscathed, untouched, unharmed. You will stand in the fire, and yet you will not be burned. Your clothes will not even smell of the smoke of that fire. You will be blessed richly. You're, you will be blessed coming. You will be blessed going. Every promise that you've ever asked God for, he will give you. Psalms 34, 8 through 11. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no lack to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not lack any, any good thing. And then he says, come, ye children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Get ready for this year. 
because God is seeking to prepare you for the greatest outpouring of miracles and blessings and protection and safety and everything you've ever asked for or dreamed for above and beyond every promise in this word of God. God is seeking to pour out. But you must fear him. That fear must always be before your face. Yield yourself to the Lord. Allow him to teach you in everything you do. Every day that you wake up, let the first thing that come out of your mouth be, Lord, teach me to fear you today. And he will. Because I will tell you in the next year, in 2021, there will be great calamity that's coming. There is a spiritual warfare that's coming. And God will be ushering, ushering in the fear of the Lord. Whether we go with it or not. Whether we heed him or not. There will be times of the Ananias and Sapphira. God will restore. So when you come into this house, will God accept your sacrifice? Are you going to give him your best? Are you going to say it's your best when really it's not? Will you tempt the Lord? Or will you love him? Will you honor him? Will his honor be restored in this house today? And if it is, there is a great harvest that's coming. What has felt like, you know, the churches have taken kitchen utensils to try and reap a harvest. God's going to be sending large combine harvests. What's taken years, he will do in days. It will blow your mind. Where there is death and destruction, where there is lack in other places, God's going to bless you. Miraculously. You will not know where it's coming from. But this is what the Lord wants to do. And as always in his scripture, he gives a blessing and a curse. And it's your choice. What do you choose this day?